0: I'm
1: To sit back and enjoy the two true freaks internet radio broadcast. Stop it. Oh, what's in the
0: box? I got nowhere else to go I got nowhere
1: up to go I got nothing else. Hello everybody and welcome to episode five hundred of Back to the Bins. Five hundred. I think we broke some. So I am Paul Spataro. I'm here with Dr. Bill Robinson and David Pescarella, and I guess uh, glaring in his absence is Scott Gardner, this is the first double zero episode that he's missing from. He's on assignment. So we had a tough time thinking of what to do for 500. Uh, I think 100 was our ideal uh, addition to our collection. 200 was Superman versus Muhammad Ali. 300 was the top ten, uh, top five, uh, or top ten, I don't remember. Uh, or Freaky Five for Back to the Bin's moments. Mm-hmm. Uh, 400 was our epic Looney Tunes episode. And now we're at 500, and it was like, well, what are we gonna do? And we bounced some ideas around, and there were ones that would be like really, really cool but they also would have been really really hard. <laughs> and that being the being the lazy so and so that I am, I said, "Yeah, I don't want to do that." <laughs> but I scaled it back. <laughs> it was a
2: I went from idea, 100 though. I went from 100 to only 10 per person.
1: I did eventually say I was willing to do whatever you want you guys agreed to. But I did say I would do whatever you wanted, but one of you would have to edit it.
3: And that's why nobody nobody stepped
1: up we won't say what we're going to do in case we still do that in the future yeah somehow it went to well let's do the 500th issue of some comics and you'd be surprised or maybe you wouldn't but there are not a lot of series that have had 500 over 500 issues and with the renumbering and all of that on a lot of series i think the 500th has not been celebrated often uh Although the one I picked, and the one Bill picked, I believe, had been renumbered and then revolume and then, and then back yeah, and then divide. and then when they saw ooh, it's coming up on an uh, coming up on an anniversary issue we could charge a lot more money let's go back to the original numbering. <laughs> so I, I kind of don't like that, but such is life.
3: So, the irony uh, is the cheapest book had the most number of pages. <laughs>
1: Well it's cheapest because it's also the oldest
2: yes well cheapest when it yeah when it came out I mean it may not that be was, as cheap now
3: yeah it's probably two issues cost than one or more
1: so uh, we ended up doing a Marvel, a DC and a Marvel because I'm at a loss to name an independent series with the 500th issue.
2: I mean, the only independents I can think that are relatively high would be Savage Dragon, and that's not at five hundred. Spawn, that's not at five hundred. I'm not sure about Cerebus. I'm, I don't know. I mean, there might be an Archie something that could be at a you know, in the five hundreds, but I'm not that familiar with it. Yeah, so, bottom line yeah. is, I
1: wouldn't have the five hundredth issue of any of those series. Mm. Yeah. So, you know, we, we have to make do with what we can. So I took Amazing Spider-Man 500 because my favorite book in my comic career has been Spider-Man. And I did so without a real knowledge of what the book was about, to be honest with you. Uh, so the story is actually the third of three parts. So it's uh actually they renumbered it for this issue. So it was issues 57, 58 and 500. So in, in 57 and 58 to make a long story short, uh, Peter Parker's birthday is approaching. Uh, they actually have a scene where like he and Mary Jane go to bed together. So you could see it's not really aimed at a younger audience at that point. Uh, and, There is an emergency. It turns out the Nameless Ones from uh, Dormammu's dimension are attacking New York City. Uh, The superheroes are gathered fighting them off. And Reed Richards has a plan of using some sort of machine to open up uh, a dimensional hole and send all the Nameless Ones back. Or the Mindless Ones, I said Nameless Ones, the Mindless Ones, excuse me. Uh, As it turns out, by using that, he actually unwittingly uh, falls into Dormammu's uh, plot, which reconstructs him after Dr. Strange had deconstructed him. Uh, They end up going back in time, Spider-Man and Dr. Strange, to try and right the wrongs that uh, happened. And somehow things... his last
2: leap will be his leap... Wait, no, sorry.
1: Exactly. (laughs) And somehow Spider-Man ends up uh, at a crossroads in time, and then we pick up there for Happy Birthday, Part 3. The release date on this is October twenty second two 2003. The cover date is December of 2003. The cover is by J. Scott Campbell, and it shows Spider-Man swinging with Mary Jane clinging on his back. And then a lot of Spider-Man villains underneath him, such as Hydro-Man, Doc Ock, the Vulture, uh, Mysterio, Venom, Sandman, the Rhino. And the story, as per Marvel Wiki, goes like this.
0: Wait, 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 wait!
2: Before you get into that, uh, on the cover, do you want to, uh, or you you want to get into the cover after?
1: Yeah, I think we'll we'll talk more about okay, it. Right. At this point, I just gave a basic description. You, uh, you proceed. The story is written by J. Michael Straczynski. It is penciled by John Romita Jr. primarily, and then there's a section that's penciled by John Romita Sr. To be quite honest, it's very easy to tell which is which. Uh, it's inked by Scott Hanna, colored by Avalon Studios, lettered by Randy, Randy Gentile and edited by Axel Alonso. So once again, the story, according to Marvel Wiki, is as follows. Lost in time, Peter is faced with a tough decision. He watches as his future self, surrounded by armed men and women, telling him not to move. He also watches his younger self, that day, the day that he was transformed forever into Spider-Man, and wonders if he should help the future or past versions of himself. The future version is confronted by William Lamont, who tries to convince the future version of himself not to fight back and let himself be taken. The future Spider-Man... The big dummy. Thank you. (laughs) The future Spider-Man... I was waiting for that. (laughs) The future Spider-Man disagrees, saying that he has to do this. William Lamont walks away, and future Spider-Man looks back at the grave behind him, that of his beloved Aunt May, saying how things will be better for Mary Jane and their son, Ben. He puts up a valiant effort, tearing a hole in the line of people, before finally being shot down. Peter then watches his younger self as the spider descends on him, wondering if he should change the incident by shooting the spider off with his webs. Unable to do it, both the current and past Peter scream in agony. The past version fading, the current version of Peter is confronted by Dr. Strange, who had just found Peter. Dr. Strange tells him that he must follow his voice to return to the present. Dazed by the impact of Strange's spell, he wakes up to see the sandman as he was when they first fought back in the beginning of his career, quipping about the fact that he is as stupid back then excuse me, quipping about the fact that he is as stupid back when they first met. Spider Man easily leaps over him and heads to the vacuum cleaner, how he originally defeated the sandman. As he is on the verge of victory, everything goes white, with Doctor Strange's voice telling him to follow it. He reappears, this time fighting the Vulture, again in the same way they first fought. Being thrown into a water tank, he comes up for air, once again hearing Doctor Strange and experiencing a change in scenery. This time he hears a hissing noise from behind, which is revealed to be the Lizard. Fighting with him while talking about how they will meet in about 30 minutes, he once again is transported to another time. This time he is facing Electro. Wearing the rubber gloves he wore to defeat him, he fights his way through him, knocking him out with a punch. He awakens to be seen. He he awakens to the scene of Betty Brandt, his old girlfriend, looming over the dead body of her brother. And as he tries to comfort her, she slaps him, and he tries to explain before being spirited away. He then sees Mysterio using his illusions, standing there for a moment. He tries to rest before being taken to fight the Hulk, who wants to smash him. During the fight with the Hulk, he is buried under rubble, before being taken away once more. Trapped and having the only thing that can save his Aunt May's life, he lifts up the rubble and moves on. Hearing a girl's voice, he sees that he is atop the bridge where Gwen Stacy died, and watches as the Green Goblin throws her off, attempting to save her and falling once more. He stops and is sitting in darkness before... Dr. Strange convinces him to move on, despite the pain and agony he's feeling. And so he moves on. He faces numerous of his most famous foes in tragic situations, before finally, after a long journey, he returns to present, where the Thing is telling him how he ran out of opponents. Realizing he's back, he returns in time to stop Reed Richards from making the mistake and giving Dormammu power. And with the help of the Fantastic Four, Avengers, and Dr. Strange, they stop the attacks. He's given a present by Dr. Strange and returns to his house to celebrate his birthday. Following his party, he takes out Dr. Strange's present, and Uncle Ben appears and has a conversation with him. Ben tells him that he should be happy, and Peter returns after their time is up to MJ in bed. So,
0: happy birthday.
1: (laughs) A couple of points on this one. Uh, first of all, this did not seem to be the most original way to go into an anniversary issue. Because way back when on the show, we covered Amazing Spider-Man 100. And if you'll recall, that is when he takes the formula that gives him the four extra arms. But as the formula is is affecting him, he dreams or nightmares or whatever you want to call it. And his dreams are that he's facing all his old foes. So it's kind of the same thing. Thing, just a different deus ex machina to, to put it into play the second thing is I thought it was a little strange or not really all that well thought out as far as which scenes he has uh, it's like okay we're going to go with scenes from the first 12 issues or 14 issues of Spider-Man then we're going to jump to 30 something then we're going to jump to 121 and um, it seems like it could there could have been a lot more thought into spreading it out over his whole career, so I, I kind of thought that lacked a little bit of originality, story-wise. Um, otherwise, I guess you know it's all an excuse to have him face off against these people, you know all his old foes in theory, or relive those moments. Uh, there's uh, the nice scene with Uncle Ben at the end. I like that, and if you what a look at this book. That is clearly the scene that's done by John Romita senior. The rest -hmm. of the book is by John Romita jr. Now John Romita jr. With the right anchor is really good. I like his layouts. I like his storytelling. Uh, I even like that. He got a little bit noirish in his shadows and all, but he became very, in my opinion, lazy on faces, uh, and and that takes a lot away from it, as far as I'm concerned, with his artwork in general. Now, if he's got a good inker who will give the detail that that's needed, uh, and and clean it up a little bit, then I'm happy. But otherwise, everybody seems to have these you know chrome magnum eyebrows, and I like I I just his style is just not exactly what I would look for, to be honest with you. Uh, that said, again, I like his storytelling, his pacing, uh, his layouts. I just feel like, I feel like he, he got lazy, not lazy, but he got into the habit of rushing a little bit with the actual images. And that doesn't really do it for me. Straczynski in his writing is, he's hit or miss for me. Some of the stuff I really like that he does and some of the stuff I really don't. Uh, yeah, I'm looking at you since past, um, you know, but overall, I, I usually like a lot of his stuff. Oh, and, and it didn't mention in the synopsis that when at the end of the Doctor Strange moment, when he gives him the thing that brings him back to the, Uncle Ben, there's a scene with uh, Baron Mordu who comes out and uh, traps Doctor Strange in, in a uh, some sort of a spell. And then they tell you that it's going to be continued at some point in a Doctor Strange miniseries. So mm-hmm. that's a little little ad for to go on with, you know, later. Uh, uh, that's that's my initial thoughts on it. What do you guys think?
2: Um, uh, so this 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 future he sees, um, I guess that's been retconned away.
1: I don't know who Lamont is. <laughs> you big dummy! <laughs> I but, must be the big dummy because I don't know him.
2: Well, because he's got a totally different. He talks about MJ and his son, but the quote-unquote the marriage was dissolved by mephisto mm-hmm. so this is actually never going to happen all the future
1: i guess alternate universe at this point
2: because he's got i don't a know if they ever
1: costume. revisited it you know
2: he's got a very very like you know he's got like oh, a leather nice. jacket costume yeah yeah kind of yeah uh i do i know some of the criticisms of john Romita jr um I do think though the the shots of people in the rain is done rather well. The way it makes it look like you're like you're actually watching either a a animated cartoon with the way the water from the raindrops is bouncing off of people's heads. It's a nice touch. You didn't have to do it. I think it's a nice touch artistically. You know because it's it's in every page that there uh, there's rain except for like well no it it's even when there's like a big uh, melee fight going on, there's still some of the water splashing off of people, and you know, didn't have to do it, could have just had the black lines, people been like, oh yeah, it's rain, so I mean, I, I gotta say that that's a that's a plus um, that big giant splash page is uh is a lot to take in it's kind of like, you know spot the villain, see if you can find all the villains in here
1: yeah on, of, on that it, it looks to me – I mean, he put a lot of villains in there, but if you look at it, it also looks like he's got a lot of filler in between the villains. There's there's like uh, bodies that you can't really make out who they are. Well, that could be just like your average henchman. This isn't how I see George Perez doing it. I think mm-hmm. there would be more clearly defined figures if it was Perez. But I mean, it's not bad. I don't think it's bad. Mm -hmm. I think it's its in fact, it's pretty good. I just don't think it's like the best. I think I I could like I said, I could see Perez doing a a better job with this.
2: So one more question. I'll shut up so Dave can talk. Um, The way Uncle Ben is drawn, I mean, kind of reminds me of the way he was in the comics, but that's not supposed to represent Jack Kirby, right? I don't think so. Yeah, because Jack Kirby was yeah, – I mean, he was more – his representation was more like the way the thing was, right? Yes. Kind of?
1: Yeah, I think yeah. so. And uh, right. I'm glad it's not the Uncle Ben of uh, Unlimited Spider-Man or Ultimate Spider-Man with the ponytail.
2: Oh, the yeah.
1: That got, the, that, that got aged out very quickly.
2: <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dave, what do you think?
3: Well, as always, I give the disclaimer that – I'm the D.C. guy, and maybe I've read a couple of issues of Spider-Man. I rather enjoyed it. You know, of course, there's the thing that pops out right up front about time paradoxes where he's thinking of changing things at the very beginning. I got a kick out of the Doctor. uh, When Doctor Strange is saying he's in the far off future and Spider-Man says, what's it like? He goes. It's cold, dark, depressing, much like Newark. <laughs> yep, been there.
1: It's Long almost there. like it's almost like he has the voice of the Benedict Cumberbatch Doctor Strange.
3: Well, that's what I was hearing when you I know, was reading it.
2: You know, uh, here I am. I'm I'm jumping back in. Now I have not seen the Far From Home movie. You the no the have. No Way
1: Home movie, you mean?
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I haven't seen Far From Home either. Um. Yeah, but I know what happens. Uh, but did did you get a vibe that like, you know, with well, Strange wasn't doing a spell, but I kind of got from what I've heard about the 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 latest movie, I was getting kind of vibes in this from that. Do you think something? Somewhat. You know what I mean. Oh, okay. Yes, somewhat. Right. So I'm not totally crazy in my thinking. No.
1: I, I you know it's funny when, when I read Dr. Strange a lot of times now, uh, I get the vibe of uh, there's, a, there's a podcast out there, Tighten Up the Defense. I don't know if you've ever listened to it. And when he does Dr. Strange on it, you know he gives his synopsis and he'll do Dr. Strange and he's like, ooh, Wong! Why? I'm not even doing a good imitation of the way he does it. <laughs> but he does it, but it's, it, it makes me laugh a lot. And uh, and the, I, a lot of times when I'm reading Dr. Strange now, I hear that voice.
2: Well, I might have listened to that.
3: But, uh, you know, I took it as, I mean, it's a its a big issue. It's not just directed at people who've maybe been here the whole time, reading for years and years. It might be the person who looks at, you know, the cover and she's, oh, 500, maybe I'll pick this up. And it, well, that's, that's, it was, always,
1: that's always a target audience. And,
3: and it is like the Yogi Berra quote. It's like deja vu all over again, which he says in, in, in the issue, I mean, it's you're your rehashing what's gone before, you know, for for an audience that has both been there and for an audience who's just coming in. And I thought it was an effective effective job. I mean, you you can't summarize 500 issues, but maybe you hit some exciting story points. You showcase the main villains that most people would know if they're at all familiar with comics. And uh, I thought it was a great job. And, and I got a kick out of like You know, I always get a kick out of, out of the comic comments. You know, uh, villains referring to, to themselves in the third person. <laughs> and as you read through it, almost every villain is actually referring to themselves in the third person. Um, I'm not familiar with the story, but where it's the ISO 36 thing where he's lifting this massive thing up to save aunt may all i kept thinking is the next story arc that follows is the uh, hernia surgery and recovery
1: (laughs) that's actually a very famous sequence from uh from ditko uh you know where he has to he's 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 ready yeah he's ready to give up and and he is inspired by his love for aunt may and he you know so, uh, he, he surmounts all insurmountable odds to lift this thing off of himself, so that he could save her.
3: It kind of reminds me of um, there's an image I think from Secret Wars, the original, which I did read, where the Hulk is lifting some massive thing. He's a holding a, a mount- mountain. A mountain. Okay. They they
1: or, or, they, they, they kind of the they kind the of uh, did an homage to that in uh, in, in Endgame. When when the rocket hits uh, the Avengers compound and the Hulk basically holds it up to save them.
3: Yeah. Um, I like the reference to Thor as a shouter. Thor shouts all the time. <laughs> He's a shouter. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I thought it was appropriate in that this is the five hundredth anniversary anniversary birthday that it's Peter's birthday. I didn't read the previous issues. And what what cinched it for me was the Uncle Ben encounter at the end. As soon as he gave him the box, I'm saying, this is going to involve Uncle Ben. And, uh, look, I'm a sucker for that. I like the somewhat happy ending there where he's given affirmation. So uh, I, I enjoyed the story. I thought the art was pretty good. I enjoyed that, too.
1: See, the thing about the art, I want to revisit that a little bit, is, again, I think the storytelling is good. I think the basic layouts are good. I think that uh, there are ish parts in there where it gets a little noirish, which I like. It's just some of the finer details that kind of leave me cold on Romita Jr. I I, I think the problem with me is I always think of the Iron Man issues where Bob Layton inked. Romita Jr., and it was early in his career, and the artwork is just absolutely gorgeous. This, yeah, like in
2: 150, where they go to... Uh, that's the first book I did on Back to the Benz, I think, mm-hmm. uh, where they go to back to King Arthur, him and Dr. Doom.
1: Yeah, that that artwork is just, you know, it, it's it's it was like, you know, if I was reading it, it's A-plus issue after A-plus issue, and... Oh, it looks nothing like he does today. Yeah, it, it, he became a little too stylized, and I think the stylized nature of it, a lot of times, was it, it is due to him just trying to like beat, beat deadlines and stuff. Now, I liked when he switched to it.
2: Like the earliest I remember him becoming that, going that style was in Uncanny X Men back in I want to say the late
1: '80s, early '90s.
2: Yeah, that uh, would have been when
1: I wasn't collecting, actually.
2: That would have, like, the one I remember the most is when Juggernaut and Colossus are fighting in a bar.
1: I do and, know the issue you're talking about, and they recreated so, that on the X-Men cartoon.
2: Yeah, so, I mean, so that's where I, I remember, that's where I first remember seeing this style, but I think it was better back then. But then again, I don't know who was inking him in that issue either.
1: I'm, I just remember seeing, it, you know, maybe I'm... Um, influenced by suggestion a little bit but i remember reading an interview with him where he even commented that sometimes you have to cut some corners due to deadlines mm, yeah. you know that, that it could it could be that he put the suggestion in my mind and i have a tough time getting rid of it now. i just i so much I, I you know his his dad who did the uh, uncle ben sequence uh, his his faces are kind of stocked they're very easy to pick out and yet, I still find them so much more appealing in reading it.
3: Hmm. So,
1: I guess uh, as far what you as oh, what's that? What would you think about the cover? So, the cover, I, I think the cover is pretty good. It does scream out to me of the uh, you know the '90s and the '2000s mm-hmm. uh, when when anatomy is kind of. Not it's secondary to drama, put it that way. Uh, uh, I don't like, really like, think so. Well, um, like like what? look at Spider Man's right f- leg and foot. Eh.
2: there's eh. little things
1: like that that just disturb me about the way it's drawn. Um, He's swinging
2: like through the air.
1: Mm-hmm. And his and his body is apparently uh, able to to be manipulated in his bone structure with it. He's a spider. Yeah, okay. Uh there, there was I mean there was a time in in that eighties, nineties with where the comic books seemed to be very anime slash manga influenced, with everybody with the big eyes and I don't know. It it just it screams to me of that. Uh otherwise it's pretty eye catching. I definitely would, you know, see it on the stand and and and, and be Likely to pick it up, and what was the cover price in this? Because we just mentioned for 350 or 575 in Canada, Paul Blaine. <laughs> but you know, I mean, I, I think the cover. I'm going to I'm going to throw out my ratings on it. I think the cover is pretty solid. I, I I do think it's above average. Which, if it's a 500th issue and it's not, that's kind of sad. Uh, I I'd say you know solid B to B plus on the cover. Uh, the interior art. I overall like it. Again, I like the layouts. I like the storytelling. Uh, I think there's a lot that goes on here. There's a lot of different characters. I also think that there's points where uh, J.R.J.R. is trying to create a Ditko-ish looking world. Uh, He's trying to to use his own style but make it more Ditko-ish. So, you know, I appreciate that. Like I said, I just think it could just just if it if it was inked a little bit more cleanly, I think I'd knock it up a notch. But I'll say, you know, a B to B plus on the on the artwork. Uh story is not as imaginative as I would like, but as Dave said, it it does serve its purpose of bringing you through the years of Spider Man. It also uh you know, gives you the uh schmaltzy ending with Uncle Ben. And overall, you know, it was just an enjoyable read. I'll say a B on the read, and overall, I'll give the book a B plus. Anyone? Go ahead, Dave.
3: Well, to not put too fine a point on it, the story, as I said, I, you know, it's 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 sort of a rehash it could be seen as an introduction i thought the story was serviceable i i, I enjoyed it i say it's better than serviceable it moved it wasn't a book that plotted at all so I, I would give the story a b plus the art i enjoyed yeah it's got that late 90s early 2000 style to it that i'm not overly thrilled with But I've seen far worse. I found this enjoyable. And, uh, you know, I I gave the art an A. I I enjoyed it. The cover I really liked. Again, like Paul said, it's got that period art style to it. But, you know, I could make everybody out, recognize uh, the villains in the background. It would get my attention. I gave the cover an A-minus for an overall rating of an A.
2: Doc? All right. Well, the is done by uh, J. Scott Campbell. I don't think we mentioned that before. Um, inked. Uh, much familiar. Not sure. The other name on the cover is Townsend. I don't know if there's different covers to this book or not. Um, but I would give the uh, the cover uh, and I'll give it a a minus B plus, you know, like right on that border. I remember like the first time I saw some J. Scott Campbell stuff. I think it was Danger Girl, way back when I was still in the Navy. Um, it was like a new, you know, it was something new back then. Uh, interior art, yeah, I like the uh, the rain sequence sequence sequence. Sequ- sequ- the rain shots and, uh, <laughs> you know, got to live up to my porky pig moniker, um, except I am wearing pants. Uh, I don't even remember that Spider-Man might have been re- um, responsible for Betty Brandt's brother's death.
1: Oh, yeah, we covered that issue not too long ago when I had the Comic Geek Speak guys on.
2: Oh, okay um so the interior art i will give it mm, I, again i'm gonna go b plus a minus and the story i you know it's an anniversary issue it it does have a you know it's got the happy little ending t- tacked on um it's a good place for somebody to jump in it's you know so, oh look 500 oh shiny um So I will give it a B plus, A minus. So it's like right on the cusp in between B and A for me. And that's all I got. All right, cool.
1: So I guess what we'll do is we'll do Marvel. Now we'll do a DC. And Dave, you are on the clock.
3: Okay. We're covering Action Comics number 500. And this is a tome, so prepare yourselves.
2: God help us.
3: Cover dated October 1979, with an on sale date of July 19th, of 79. Back then, the cost was a dollar. The writer is Martin Pascoe, Hensler, Kurt Swan, Inca, Frank Chiramante, letterer, Gaspar Saladino, colorist, Adrian Roy, and editor,
2: Julius Schwartz. The cover wait, design. Wait, wait. Yes? Wait. What? i got to ask Paul a question before you go any further. Paul, what's the first thing you thought of when you saw this cover?
3: Oh, no, you're going to ruin my joke. I know oh. you're ruining my joke. Okay, all right, never mind.
2: Forget I said that. Continue. Cover
3: design by Otto Hasla. Oh. <laughs> a comic book cover of a comic book cover of a comic book cover of a
2: comic book cover.
1: I guess that one's obvious <laughs> since that- all three of us thought of it.
2: That's the first thing I thought of. I was like.
1: It's a man painting a picture of a man painting a picture. But what is missing? The man himself.
3: And for that, it'll lose points in the final grade.
1: As well it should.
3: Well, the cover was penciled by Ross Andrew and uh, inked by Dick Giordano. That's all courtesy of Mike's Amazing World of Comics. It is the grand opening of the Superman Pavilion of the Metropolis World's Fair. And Superman is going to lead the first tour. In exchange for helping prepare the pavilion's exhibits, the operator, J. Robert Argrim, will donate $1 million to Superman's favorite charity. Joining Superman are Maya Harkness, Lois Lane, Jimmy Olsen, Perry White, and the rest of the staff. Unfortunately, Clark Kent conveniently is away on vacation. Superman cuts <coughs> the rib- <Bullshit. laughs> Superman cuts the ceremonial ribbon. A six-inch steel beam with his heat vision, and the tour is on its way. First stop is the planet Krypton exhibit, where Superman is convinced to demonstrate his mind prover device to recall childhood memories from Krypton. A nefarious individual is shown planning to use this opportunity to tap into Superman's memory bank. Chapter 1, Planet on the Edge of Oblivion. Superman's memories as a toddler are shown, and he recalls the events leading up to Krypton's destruction. As the story unfolds, in in an underground lab, a child looking exactly like that of young Kal-El begins to form, with the child reliving the same experiences. The shock of reliving his parents' death snaps Superman from his memories, and the tour moves on to the Superboy room. Arn Grimm notes the smaller size of the exhibit, and Superman reminds him of the need to protect his secret identity. Chapter 2, A Legend is Born The mysterious child in the lab continues to share memories, and is made to reenact them with props. Superman recalls in his memory, being found by the Kents, the development of his powers, the creation of his costume, and his adopted father creating the S he would wear. The mysterious double, now the age of Superboy, wears the same costume while wandering through a replica of Smallville. Superman continues to reflect on his career as Superboy, and proceeds to take the tour through the museum, explaining various artifacts and adventures, the death of his Earth parents, and his departure from Smallville. Chapter 3, Call Me Superman. The final part of the museum covered Superman's career up to the present. In Metropolis, Kal-el becomes an adult, and Superman is born. Superman shows the crowd a censored model of his Fortress of Solitude tells of allies and enemies, both past and present, as well as descriptions of all the types of kryptonite, specifically gold kryptonite, which takes away a Kryptonian's powers. At the tour's end, Von Grim attacks Superman with a hidden kryptonite ray and drops him into the underground lab. There he encounters Lex Luthor, who proceeds to explain his plan instead of just killing Superman. His plan is to kill Superman and replace him with a clone that would have Superman's memories, but Lex Luthor would have control. While the clone knows Superman's memories, Luthor does not, because he could only intervene in the transfer process once, and he used that to alter the clone's feelings regarding Luthor. The Ard grim Superman was dealing the Argrim Superman was dealing with was a clone. Imprisoned, Superman's powers are being drained by an artificial red sun, and an artificial gravity generator is replicating Krypton's gravity, thus nullifying his powers. When the tourists above leave the exhibit, this plot will cause them to trigger a laser that will kill Superman and destroy the building. The clone will replace Superman and re- oh, and take over Superman's alternate identity. Luthor will be in the clear. In the pavilion, the clone gives the closing speech to the crowd, startling Superman's friends with his praise of Luthor. Meanwhile, Superman uses his Clark Kent tie to reach the key and escape. He defeats Luthor, foils the plot to de- destroy the pavilion, defeats the clone, removes its powers with gold kryptonite, and captures the clone of Agram and they all lived happily ever after.
1: Now, what did they do? Did, did they kill the clone at that point?
3: Well, that's one of the things in my notes. So basically, he removed his powers, captured him. This guy knows who Superman is. He should have thrown him into the sun.
1: Or, or put him, him in, in a. Craig uh, Mark Scott Gardner. You could. They could have put him in a you know a mountain retreat and told him, I'll bring you food yeah
3: (laughs) well since we opened with george reeves
1: why not yeah there you go uh you know this this i've long been a defender of kurt swan i hate to keep getting on the artwork uh i you know kurt swan was the superman artist i grew up with so i've always had a, a serious fondness for his art but just when when I read this book, it felt so flat. The art, it just just it, it felt uninspired to me. The story felt uninspired to me. Uh, but there was some funny things about it that I noticed. Oh, I, I like when 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 they're at home. Apparently, he's kept in a glass playpen, which I thought was interesting. Um, in the uh, Pavilion, they actually, in the Superboy exhibit, they actually have recreations of the Legion of Superheroes, which Mm kind of seems Mm -hmm. to go against, you know, revealing the future before it happens. Um, He talks about how he can't reveal his details because of his secret identity. And I'm thinking if Superman was as smart as Superman's supposed to be, he shouldn't even admit to having a secret identity. Because then it just gets... uh, you know, gets people like Lois to, to try and figure it out all the time. He should be like, no, I'm Superman all the time. I'm just not here all the time. Uh, then there's the, uh, when he when go back to his childhood, uh, it seems like kind of lazy parenting by the Kents that they let a bull attack him. Apparently the the bull, it's like, let's test his superpowers. We'll let this bull charge him. <laughs> and if he <laughs> can stop it, then he's as strong as we knew he was. But if, if he can't, well, you know. What do you, We'll look for if another not, super
2: eh, baby. Eh, you know, he went back to his parents. Yeah, they found him.
1: Or, or even, doing, even, even like, I was even uh-huh. when they when they're testing the the clothes. Yeah, uh, he shoot he shoots the cape. So maybe the bullet's going to ricochet back and kill him. He sets off dynamite on <laughs> It's like it's like how stupid are you? These this is not yeah. the Kens as I know them. So it's just, you know, just there were things like that in this issue that just made me kind of, you know, it it just emphasized to me how D.C. really didn't have a full blown Bronze Age. You know, they 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 was they were Silver Age until they got to uh, until they got to crisis with with some exceptions.
2: I got to say, uh, I'm trying to find it. I know I read it when he talks about crypto. And then he's so sad, you know, because Crypto has gone off and is, like, doing his own adventures in space. And I think it's Lana, and she's like, oh, suck it up, Buttercup. It's just a dog. And Lois is like, you bitch. <laughs> what? What? Uh, and even I was thinking, I was like, my God, woman. Yeah, it's you pretty, are pretty cold.
1: That's pretty effed up.
2: Oh, oh, my poor little space dog went away.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Didn't like you on
1: Smallville, either. On Smallville, she was just a whiny... She was the one who would oh. be crying. All that angst. So, but otherwise, you know, it, it was... It's much like the Spider-Man issue. It was an excuse to kind of give you the history of the character uh, somewhat lamely <laughs> done. This is the history of the character.
2: <laughs> this is like, oof, a lot of origins totally, re, you know. So what, the Kents drank a formula that, like a well, they, like, they were – they. I I never even knew about this that that they they were like rejuvenated and then they you know aged again and uh, ah.
1: It's like like us. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's why we have uh, the bloom of youth on us.
3: I did like the the prologue page where it's taken right out of the Adventures of Superman TV show. And I that's, keep saying the guy at the yeah. bottom of the page is Jimmy Carter. The guy with his hand up over his face? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to me, that's always been Jimmy Carter since I was a kid. Uh, the Superman Pavilion reminded me of that amusement park they were going to build uh, in Metropolis, Illinois. Uh, was Jay Robert on Grimm Colonel Sanders? I'm just curious. That or I was... thought he looked more like
2: Buffalo Bill Cody.
1: Yeah, that too. Yeah. I was thinking, I was thinking Colonel Parker from Elvis.
3: Mm. But I kept hearing, you know, like I say, I say, I say, you know, uh, law <laughs> so
0: <lock on> Lego. <laughs> I say that, Superman. <laughs>
3: I got a kick out of when Jarrell is uh, with the Science Council and they keep referring to him as L. You know, like, okay, Smithers, get in here.
1: Well, and, uh, yeah, and also, you know, at home, Lara calls him uh, Jor. Hey, Jor. <laughs> Which I just it just seemed funny to me. My, I, I guess it makes sense. You know, we use well, shortening would, of people's names all the time. but
2: Well, that would be like at work, you know. People might call you, well, like what I was
1: People name, call people you Bit.
2: Bit. <laughs> No, they would call you by your last name when you were to service, Robinson. So L is, you know, the last name, Jor is his first name.
3: But it would have been even better if they were smoking while they were sitting around the table. Exactly.
1: Now, apparently, according to the DC database, uh, a lot of the history that they show is taken panel for panel from Superman number 146 which is uh, from 1961, and it's uh, to, to told for the first time, the complete story of Superman's life.
2: Was that drawn by Kurt Swan?
1: That? Let's see if I can see. Uh, hold on, there's a link to it. I'll tell you who drew it. Penciled by Al Plastino.
2: Okay, so at least Kurt Swan redrew it. Yeah, it would
1: be, I guess, really lazy if he just recreated his (laughs) own panels.
2: They cut and paste (laughs) and Well, it's not like they don't do it today. Looking at you, Marvel, and you. Yeah,
3: but back then there would have been tape on it, scotch tape, holding the panels in.
2: Oh, yeah, let's just keep showing the same picture and just change the word bubble, Ah, a-holes. So
3: pretty much if they had changed the batteries in the crypto geophysical clock, would it have been accurate?
1: Maybe. Just,
3: <laughs> just, just curious. Uh, did you notice, take a look at page 20. Jonathan looks exactly like Clark.
1: A lot of the artists did that. <laughs> I don't uh, know that I, that I agreed with it, but I thought, you know. Uh, that was a common thing back then too. I think a lot of the uh, times when they'd have a flashback. I I'm trying to remember I'm thinking in like the, the mid I guess mid sixties when they did uh Spider Man Annual Number Five and he's thinking back or he's finding out about his parents and I'm pretty sure like Richard Parker looks exactly like Peter Parker.
3: Right, but Richard Parker was his
1: real father. Yeah. <laughs> his well, real jo- father. isn't Jorella's. No, oh you're oh you're no. saying Parkhead. Parkhead. Oh, okay. It's
2: uh it's like, the glasses, Dave. That's why he's oh yeah. No, oh, you know cool. you know
1: what it is to be honest is it's it's a limitation on Kurt Swan. That's how he drew faces. Shh. I I like when I like when the Superman clone is saying, you know, Lex Luthor's really not so bad if I hadn't been so arrogant. <laughs> <laughs>
2: What are you saying?
1: I thought that you was kind of cool. Uh,
2: Almost like Lex Luthor's macro. I say, let him go. Yeah, exactly.
3: <laughs> See what happens when you cause someone's hair to fall out.
1: <laughs> well, three of us have, have, you know, fabulous hair, so we don't, we'll, we'll never turn evil.
2: I'm knocking on wood because mine's getting thinner. I don't know. I could be going bad in about 10
1: years. (laughs) My hair's getting thinner, but I ain't. (laughs) (laughs) Eh,
3: Yes, so that's what I got. What do we we think of this?
1: Well, It's your book. Why don't you give your rating first? I know you don't want it. (laughs) Well,
3: being a major Superman fan, I have to say this – it was it, it, it was very long. It was very drawn out. I get they were trying to rehash everything that went on in what the past what were we, uh, 40 years, right? For, just over 40 years of Superman stories. But I guess having been spoiled by or tainted by the uh, briefness of stories today, this was a long drawn out story. It was really nothing new, but yes, it was a rehash. I gave it a C plus. The art, typically, I kind of like Kurt Swan, and I, I attribute that to that's what I grew up with. You know, I, I read him from the the mid 70s up until the Crisis, when he uh, he, he moved on. So that had some sentimental value. I gave it a, a B minus. The cover, the cover, because of Dr. Hasslein, is an A-plus all the way. <laughs> Fabulous idea, but it loses points because the comic artist wasn't in the picture. So that's a B. Overall, grade of a C-minus.
1: Well, I also have the nostalgic fondness for Kurt Swan, as I said. But trying to look at this one, you know, remove my nostalgia from the uh, equation – I do feel like it just looks uninspired, uh, you know, it's, it's workmanlike, it, it it gives, you know, everything's clearly delineated, there's just nothing that feels dynamic about it, and there's a lot of moments where they, where it could be dynamic, but it just isn't, uh, I guess the, the only moment that, that kind of does have a little dynamism to me is the first panel of, uh, chapter two, where it shows the spaceship, uh, you know, coming away from uh, the exploding planet, which is, you know, very—it it, doesn't—it's dynamic, but it's not particularly original because I've seen that image about a thousand times. Um, so overall, I'm, I'm going to say a C plus on the artwork. It's, you know, it, it does its job, but I just feel like it could be better. Uh, the cover, uh, I, I in in theory, I like. The whole idea that, oh, they're holding up the issue and then there's a bunch of uh, covers in the background, but when I look at the actual images of the three characters on the cover, I don't feel like Andrew brought his A-game, or I don't think Giordano did his A-game in inking it, because it just just feels like like it could be better. Uh, They don't really look all that compelling to me, the way they're drawn, so... I'm going to say a C plus on the cover. Actually, I'm going to bring it up to a B because I do like the concept of it. And you know, the, the Hasslein theory adds to it. Uh, and the story itself, I'm looking at this the same way I'm looking at the Spider-Man one. It's, let me come up with a story as an excuse to rehash the, you know, the, the moments of his life. Uh, I think the Spider-Man one was a little better because it, Actually built up over two issues before we got to it. This one is you know them trying to kind of do it all in one. Uh, the whole clone taking over for him seems a little silly. Uh, I assume Superman gave Lex a broken jaw and a concussion when he flicked him in the face. Uh, but you know the the story is it had its moments. I, like I said, I love the part when he comes out and. And, and he's defending Lex Luthor, uh, and everybody's like, "What the heck?" Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna say a, a, a B minus on the story, and overall I'll give the book a B a B minus.
2: All right, yes, for the Planet of the Apes gag on the cover for us, I will give the cover I will give the cover a B. Uh, the interior art. <sighs> Yeah. Kurt Swan may have been the first Superman artist that I was exposed to as a ute, but I I mean <laughs> uh, I'
1: like I'm,
2: I'm just gonna say C because I don't wanna I'm just gonna say C. uh the story uh you know, it's a nice retelling. It works into, you know, it. at least it just wasn't a retelling of the, well, I guess it was a retelling of the entire issue pre- previously, but at least it's, you know, put in around some other plot points here. And, you know, it's good old Luther in, in, in his outfit from the Legion of Doom, uh, which is what I remember this from, from uh, Legion of Doom, Challenge of the Super Friends and all that. Um, so I'm going to give the story a C plus So overall, the book is, you know, like C plus just under a B. So that's what I got. And 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 pull one out for crypto. He's not dead, but he's off having a good old time.
1: He's off making little little cryptos. Yeah, exactly.
2: Maybe some cryptocurrency. (laughs) Son of a
1: (laughs) be here all the week. Yeah. Uh, it's okay, that's uh, for uh, so so that's five hundred plus five hundred is a thousand. Can we get ourselves to fifteen hundred?
2: I think so because I have a book. Woohoo! Um, it's a three-book episode. And there was much rejoicing. And I'm going old school and wing in a synopsis. Wait, come back. <laughs> I was going to make espresso. Uh, I am doing, surprise, surprise, Avengers number 500. Nobody saw that coming. <laughs> and this book, uh, I will discuss the cover first. It is by David Finch. Um, everybody is kind of going from one side of the book to the other, looking like they're in a hurry or they really have to go to the bathroom. Looking at you, Cap at you because he is looking for that restroom uh yeah you got everybody like charging towards something you got giant man or uh, well, you got what's weird is you got yellow jacket like giant man size in the background you got the wasp you got iron man vision scarlet witch uh hawkeye captain america captain britain who was on the team at this time and she hulk now, on the inside cover, you got a nice little blurb uh, with some some of the goofiest-looking headshots I've seen for Avengers in quite a while. Anybody like to comment on that? Iron Man Tony Stark has got his mopey armor, I guess, there. Armored Avenger. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Captain America's got a somewhat of a derp face, and Hawkeye's got even more of a derp face. I mean,
1: whew. Yeah, wow. we do have some serious derp.
2: Keep going vision does not look vision looks like he's got a bunch of nuts stuffed in his mouth like a chipmunk uh other than that everybody else is pretty much okay for their headshots but a couple of those so we have avengers number 500 chaos part one of four writer is brian michael bendis penciler is david finch inker is danny mickey mikey McKee. Colorist is Frank D'Armada. Letterer is R.S. and Comicrafts Albert Deschi. Yeah, something French. Um, assistant editor. Editor. Man, the, the Arnold is coming out in me. Nicole Wiley. Another associate editor, Andy Schmidt. Editor, Tom Bravort. Editor in chief, Joe Casada. And publisher is Dan Buckley. So the, uh, the Avengers are sitting around. Having a rousing discussion of, uh, what is that called? Uh, Mary F. Kill or something like that?
1: Yeah. Yeah. M- MFK. Yeah. I think
2: you're right. But instead it's called, uh, who's your can't girl? Which, I mean, I guess if you're a superhero and you're like, yeah, who did we fight that was really hot? But I could never do anything with her. And well, apparently Hawkeye's can't girl is uh, uh, Adam Hydra slash Viper. And he says it's because she's oh-so-green. And the She-Hulk is like, really? Now, before that could go any further, an alarm goes off, and hey, it's Jack of Hearts, who had just died a couple issues previous because he was going to blow up. And uh, he sacrificed himself to save um, Scott Lang and, and his daughter. But that doesn't last for long because he explodes out on the front lawn and kills Scott Lang. Oh, my. Uh, everybody is basically shaken to the core by this. Uh, but before... Uh, and they see a skeletal hand rising out of the ground where scott lang was and then we cut to the united nations where uh, tony stark is <laughs> giving a speech and all i can think of is from the heavy metal movie you guys know where i'm going with this the animated movie uh-huh. where the guys on, on the stand hand over fist and he's talking about The guy, and 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 then he just starts getting angrier and angrier, like reading off all this guy's crimes. So he's there talking to the UN, and he starts sweating and shaking, and he's looking at the Latvian ambassador, and he's just like, oh come on man, (laughs) there's a despot. What are we doing here? And he starts powering, and T'Challa stands up, and he's like, whoa 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 Tony, I, I think you need to just you know step back and relax. And Tony's like, crook it, T'Challa. And he starts, he's powering up his freaking repulsors. And um, they they have to pull him away from the podium. Um, <laughs> and one of the people that pulls him away is Hank Pym. And he's like, he's like, don't you have a wife to beat? Get out of my nose, man. <laughs> I'm like, wow. So then he's off, uh, you know, while to while the Avengers are... Oh yeah, at this time, Tony Stark is also the, uh, the secretary of defense for the United States. So he is a major player, and he has just on a, a, a global stage really dropped the bomb. And he's saying to Wanda later up in like a gallery, looking down at the UN, he's like, he's like, I think I'm drunk. And Wanda, who's shown in shadow, says. Oh, Tony, you drank. Oh, you've been sober. He's like, Wanda, I didn't have anything to drink. I don't know what's going on. But before they can go any further, they have to respond to an Avengers uh, code white. And we cut back to the Avengers mansion where Wasp is kind of freaking out because, you know, she's like, well, jack of hearts blew up. We don't. There's like some type of radiation. And um, some some firefighter guy is talking smack to Jarvis and Captain America's like, hey you speak to the you talk to this man as if you were speaking to me as far as i'm concerned this man is an avenger and you know everybody minds their p's and q's then but before they can get any further without in comes a Quinjet, jet and it ain't slowing down and it's being piloted by the vision and he plows right into the mansion and he comes out steps out and he's all you know as he's like i'm not in control you know, Avengers, Avengers, I bid you tidings in this our darkest hour. I am sorry to inform you. Blah, 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 blah. But then all of a sudden, his like mouth pops, splits back, and he, he goes, pop, 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 and then these little balls pop out, and they turn into Ultrons! And there goes everybody fighting the Ultrons. They figure out they could rip the heads off, they get rid of the Ultrons, and, but uh, and during the course of the fight, She-Hulk is getting angrier and angrier, and then she confronts the Vision, you know, why did you do this? What's going on? And everybody's like, hey, hey, calm down. Calm down. Take it easy. Oh, too late. She rips him in half. Yeah. <laughs> Which and one guy almost barfs. <laughs> it's like, what are these Shield guys? He's like, ooh! So, yeah, Vision is gone, and they're trying to calm her down even more, and, uh, cap is like you know you don't want to do this and uh he's she's beaten on his shield and he gets taken down and the last thing you see is her getting ready to throw a small uh vehicle or actually rather large vehicle at cap and it blacks out and then we see another panel and it says is it over no there's more much more they are many and they have much to answer for we should just kill them before we should just kill them and be done with it. And another voice says, And what would that prove? It has to me- it has no meaning that way. You're so stupid. But the answer is no, it isn't over. To be continued.
0: Nothing is over but- till I say it, so <laughs> it ain't over. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and by the way, this is Avengers
2: Disassembled, in case I had forgotten to say that, which I believe I did. So uh Anybody who hasn't figured out uh, or well, we will be like la- later on, we will be finishing this storyline in our ongoing adventure spotlights since we introduced it here. So. uh
1: And you'll later hear something where I didn't realize we were going to do this because we recorded it before we did this. And Bill was like, you know what we're doing next. And I didn't know what we were doing next. So when you hear yeah, that, I, you'll understand.
2: I don't know. <laughs> Because I think this issue will, this episode will come out before that other
1: episode. No question that it will. Yeah.
2: So oh, wibbly wobbly timey wimey. Yeah. So uh yeah, this is the this is the beginning of the end for volume one, two, three of the Avengers because of the renumbering. Um. So technically, you know, because they. It wouldn't have been uh, a five hundred with you. But hey, like you said, they had a they had something coming up, so they had to go back to the old numbering, you know, get that money. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I like the art in this. <coughs> um David Finch is pretty good sometimes. In. Where? In the bathroom. A rat.
3: A rat, I promise. Where? The bathroom.
2: Which bathroom? The one by the, the the one right there. Are you kidding me? No. How big is it? I'm not kidding, <sighs> Jesus Christ! Well,
1: this is chills, this man. is podcasting gold. I don't want to
2: kill a rat. Well. It's Again. It.
1: Maybe you should maybe you should invite it for dinner.
2: Is it in the tub? Kill it. Kill it. it, was kill it. Tub. It's not the <sighs> bathroom. Lock it in there. Jesus! How did it get in? How did rat get in there? It's probably because I disturbed the stuff.
1: To be fair, if you don't do something to take care of it, it's going to find a way out of the tub. Uh, so we'll wait. Let
3: the hate flow and kill it, Bill.
2: No, usually the last one I killed kill it. Boys,
1: and, we... kill, kill it and take your place in our side. Well I, can't,
2: <laughs> well, I can't grab it. That's. You know, I don't think I can. Okay, I'm going to have to figure something out. Uh. I don't know if I should finish this or uh, do, do you want to you, wanna, you right. want
1: you want to quickly finish the issue or, or do you, you want to do it and come back? Either well, one works
2: for me. And I don't know how long this is going to take. Uh, I, I'm going to give the cover an A. I'm going to give the interior today an and I'm going to give the uh, the story an A.
1: OK, and then Dave and I will discuss it a little bit before uh, we close yeah, out the episode. To... But we'll, we'll say goodbye to you unless you can make it back before we're done.
2: I'm going to go. I'm going to mute myself. I'm going to go look, look into the rat situation.
3: Okay, it might be, fair it enough. It might be more, more exciting if you don't mute yourself. Ah! <laughs> all right,
2: all right. I'll be back. I'll be rat lost. I'll be right back. I'll be right back.
0: So I'm a big, fat rat. Ah, have some cheese, rat.
1: So th- this was the, I guess, the prelude to them doing the New Avengers, you know, when they brought in Spider-Man and all of that. Um, it's very dark. The artwork is dark. The story is dark. Um, and if that doesn't bother you, I think it's well executed, but you know, some people don't like things quite this dark in their, uh, in their funny books.
3: Was there Uh, a lead into this that explained what's going on or this is how the story starts?
1: As best as I can recall, this is how the disassembled story starts. I don't think this was picking up from. Yeah, I mean, there's this stuff that went on already, but I don't think it's uh, the disassembled story arc. I think actually starts here, and I think it runs about four or five issues total. Well, actually, it's just part one of four, so uh, so there's four parts to it. And as Dave said, as Dave said, as Bill said, uh, we're gonna probably. Uh, continue with those four issues uh to to finish this storyline and then you know that that's got me actually thinking Ooh, you know one of the most blasted stories of of my lifetime besides since past which i already mentioned is avengers the crossing which is about a 25 issue arc and i almost feel like i'd like to revisit that to see what i think of it but i don't know if anybody would ever want to listen to it so i'm just gonna put that on the back burner for now um the store the the artwork is all David Finch, right? The cover and the art. Everybody looks very beleaguered to me. <laughs> they look dirty, unshaven, whatever. But I guess it's closer to reality. It's more realistic of, a, of an art style than, than what we've, certainly than what we've dealt with in the previous two issues that we've covered today. Uh, and I would say, overall except for the very dark nature of it, I do like this. I'm guessing that a lot of it is probably photo-referenced, but I don't know that for a fact. It just has what that year,
3: look. Do you know of him what year this came out? 2004.
1: 2004,
3: all right.
1: So, you know, I, I like that, you know, there's, there's some artists that have a tendency, like if they draw Hawkeye and they draw, you know, what's Clint Barton, Hawkeye, uh, and they have uh, Steve Rogers sitting right next to him. Uh, you, you'd have a tough time telling one from the other. At least you know he gives them a more distinctive look, which I kind of appreciate. Uh, and again, I, I think the uh, I think that the detail work is is really pretty sharp. So you know I I do like the artwork, even though again it's darker than what I would normally you know the. the When when they start getting darky, darky. When they start getting dark, it has a muddy look to it sometimes, which I don't really feel like this has too much of. Uh, So that that's good. They managed to avoid that. Uh, It has it has a little bit of a cinematic feel, so I kind of like that. Uh, And and the fact that he's basically ending the story, you know, lets him run wild a little bit. So overall. I pretty much enjoyed this issue. Now, as a DC guy, what did you think?
3: And I think that's what my problem is, that I wasn't – I'm not as familiar with the characters and their background. You know, I'm more familiar with the cinematic universe of today. I found the art to be a bit of a handicap because I found it to be, as you said, very dark. Not only from a story tone, but from an artistic tone. And I actually found it could be that I'm getting old. I found it difficult to make out some of the stuff going on in the panels. Hmm. So for me, it was a little too dark art wise. I don't mean, um, I mean, literally, the colors were too dark that I had trouble with that. The story. I feel I would have appreciated more if I had a little more background. Like I could see coming in, like this being your first issue and being a little bit lost. Uh, This um, definitely
1: wasn't made to uh, appeal to a young kid who had never read the Avengers before.
3: Right, or an old fart who hadn't read the Avengers before. (laughs) 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 talk about the circle of life you wind up in the same spot eventually
1: yeah, that is but, true uh it just thankfully we've we've still avoided the diapers until now
3: <laughs> so far so good but um like i knew that tony stark had a drinking problem and, and and i wasn't sure if you know that's where they were initially going with this you know is it an outside influence is it something you, you know i I just was a little confused with that, and and I I attributed to me not being familiar with everything. That's why I had asked, you know, was there an issue that led into this
1: that would have- well, well, but I think you're you're not supposed to, even if you're familiar with, excuse me, you're not supposed to know why Tony's reacting the way he is, right? You know, and they do give you the background of saying I feel like I'm drunk, but I haven't had anything to drink. So, you know, they're, they're right. giving you at least a little bit of uh, an explanation for it all, but they're not, you know, they're not cluing you in as to exactly what's going on. And then I think that leads you to that very last uh, page where there's the two people talking and you, you know, you're not really told who that is just yet. Right. Right.
3: I would be curious to know wh- where this went, you know, Um but overall, on this issue as it stands alone, uh, I give it average gra- grades across the board. I give the uh, art a little lower, though, because as I said, I I had trouble making out some stuff. I would give the art in the issue uh, a C a C minus. The story yeah. I give a, uh, I give the story a B, and the cover I would give a B plus for an overall. B, B minus uh, grade.
1: Interesting. Um, I'm thinking, see, I feel like the cover should be more compelling. Uh, you know, I know that they, they have all of the characters in there and they're showing them all, but I feel like they're, they're not highlighted the way, you know, it, again, I'm, I'm picturing myself walking into the comic book store and they have the stack of each new issue sitting there. And is this really going to catch my eye and make me say, oh, issue 500, let me get that, if I wasn't otherwise inclined to? And I'm not so sure it does. Uh, I I think the darkness of the cover is indicative of the darkness that we get in the story, but it's still not that compelling to me. So I'm going to give this, the cover just a C because I think it could be more uh, more geared to buy it. But... The interior art, I think, is where you and I are going to disagree the most because I think the interior art is pretty sharp, and I think it. it I'm able to follow it fairly well, so I would say I'd give the interior art like a B plus. I really mm. liked it. And the story, uh, I thought the story. You know, I mean, it's tragedy after tragedy after tragedy, but I thought it flowed fairly well. Uh, and it made me want to reread what comes after it to see because I don't remember exactly how it goes. Uh, so, you know, I'll take a, a I guess, you know, as Bill said, we're going to take a look at those issues as we go. And I'm interested in doing that.
3: Yeah, I would like to see where this goes as well. You know, I'm just looking at the cover now. If this was made today, couldn't you see uh an interlocking cover of the other half with the villains headed towards the center
1: from the opposite direction. Right. yeah,
3: we're going to sell two of these now. Of course. (laughs) So, so the bad guy turns out to be Siegfried, right? Chaos.
1: Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So I guess that's, that's it for our three 500 issues for our 500th episode. And, uh, I'll say thank you to every one of my co-hosts, including you, Dave, who've been on with me for however many of the 500 plus episodes that we've done because uh, there's been some special episodes that were not numbered and there were all the Avengers spotlights uh, that were not numbered or that were not sequenced in the numbering order uh, before we just started uh consuming them into the regular Avengers or excuse me, the regular back to the bins. So, uh, as we hit 500 and beyond, I just want to thank, thank everybody who has hosted it with me and everybody who, uh, listens and, uh, we'll see you next week for episode 501. Thank you. Ned, aren't, aren't those Levi's? Yes. 501 jeans.
3: 501
1: jeans. Yeah. There you go. So I think we have a theme episode. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. alright I'm going to go and watch some football. Alright, buddy. Take care so, of yourself. You
2: too. Thank you so much for listening to our show, and we hope you'll continue to join us each and every week for more good old-fashioned comic book back-issue awesomeness. You can contact Back to the Bins to leave feedback, comments, questions, suggestions, and criticisms via email at bins at two truefreaks.com or by joining the Back to the Bins group on Facebook, Back to the Bins is a proud affiliate of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network, which you may find at www.twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is a registered trademark of DiManzo Corp of Milan, Italy. All rights reserved. Please take a moment to stop by the twotruefreaks.com site and check out their many other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks, and we'll see you next week.
0: Dummy, you big dummy. You big dummy. You big dummy. You big cold blooded dummy. You big dummy. See what you did? Oh no, you big dummy. Oh no, you big dummy. You dummy. You big dummy. You're a big, big dummy there. I'm not kidding. You. You're a big dummy dummy. Listen to a dummy. You dummy, you... You bigger dummy than my dummy. <laughs> dummy! Dummy! Get lost, dummy. Look here, you big dummy. I got a dummy for a son. You asleep? No, dummy. Okay, dummy. Before this game, you was just a plain dummy. But after the night, you'd be a broke dummy. Sold to the dummy with the black mustache. Well, what kind of life is it being the wife of an old man? What kind of life do you think it is being the father of a young dummy? For every man, there's a woman. And for every dummy, there's a dummy. <laughs> dummy. See, it's Sanford and Son now. But when I'm gone, the business will all be his alone. It'll be Dummy Incorporated. You are a big dummy! Who you calling a dummy, you big dummy? Where I come from, them is fighting oh, no, work. No, no, no. This dummy here wanted to pawn him. And the reason why, I'm here between you two dummies, trying to sell it to this dummy. What a way to spend my last days, sitting between two dummies, sucking on a pitcher old pop. Hello, Pop. Hello, Lamont, you big, ugly dummy. One dummy ain't enough in this house. You got to bring home Super Dummies. But if you and Rollo gonna be in the movie, I got the perfect name for it. Super Dummies. Both of y'all are big dummies. And something for you right here. it? Dummy, six thousand dollars a year. What's going on here? Well, you think is going on is the bank robbery dummy. Won't be long before we'll hear the pitter-patter of tiny dummies around the house. Hey, Pop, there's something wrong with you. I know. My only child is a dummy. Where are you going? Where do you think I'm going, dummy? Upstairs why I have some prophecy. Yeah, I'm worthless, penniless, broke, busted, and a dummy. And I can't wait to see you starring in your first movie. Yeah. Deep Dummy. <laughs> CDs. <laughs> I'm donating 10 to the March of Dummies. Here's the door, dummy. Great. Hey. Uh, Lamont, hand me my guitar over there. Give me a guitar, dummy. I'll spell it for you. D-U-M-M-Y, period. <laughs> dummy. Uh, P.S. again. <laughs> Bye, dummy. The tall dummy standing before me, I leave to the Hollywood Wax Museum. La dee dee, la dee dum is dummy. Just Donna and me, and the dummy makes three. Times. Have you ever seen him act? I've been watching him act all his life, <laughs> like a dummy. I mean, I didn't know you were interested in gardening. Why not? Well. Up to now, the only thing you've grown is dumber and dumber. Hey, Shut up, dummy. Pop. Shut up, dummy. You know, for a dummy, you make a lot of sense. For a dummy, you catch on fast. Yeah. I'm proud of you, dummy. Up until the time that I was six years old, I thought my name was Dummy Sanford. I mean nothing by it. Well, if you didn't mean nothing by it, then why'd you say it, dummy? <laughs> Be my luck to spend my last days on earth with a dumb dummy. <laughs> Listen, dummy, D- didn't you hear me call you a dummy? You seem dumb to know how to get mad when I call you a dummy, dummy. And that's another thing that I'm getting tired of, you calling me a dummy. Well, the only reason I call you a dummy is because I call them as I see them. <laughs>